What's going on, everybody? Brennan Schaefer here with another episode of B Shafe Daily. Glad to have you with me here on Wednesday, April 8th. It's been a minute since I've done an episode. Uh, coronavirus obviously having shuttered all professional sports for several weeks going now has made it more difficult to get up the motivation to do these daily episodes. But I'm going to try, going to try to keep things on track now after the little hiatus in recent days, but we certainly have something to talk about today because I have not yet touched upon the MLB plan that has been reported by ESPN's Jeff Passan. I believe Ken Rosenthal was on a similar track with this. I'll be reading today some excerpts from the Passan story, though, because that's what I have pulled up in front of me. I think that's what most people have probably seen or are familiar with. Uh, because Ken Rosenthal's behind the athletic paywall. I understand that not everybody has that, and I don't want to ruin or spoil any reporting that may have been done by the athletic on the subject. If you're not subscribed to it, I don't want to give that away for free. That would kind of go against their business model. But I can talk to you about what Jeff Passan, who really broke the story a couple days ago on April 6th on Monday, I think is when most of this was coming out, about Major League Baseball and its players focusing on a plan that could potentially allow baseball to begin the season as early as May. And Jeff Passan says in the story that has the support of high-ranking federal public health officials who believe the league can safely operate amid the coronavirus pandemic, sources told ESPN. And so this has kind of invited a massive debate on Twitter, on social media, people talking about this issue whether or not it would be feasible for Major League Baseball to essentially, through what this plan is talking about, take all the players, take all the staff, the essential staff, the the managers, the coaches, presumably broadcast media so that the games would be on television, and then quarantine, sequester these people away in a small area in, in the general Phoenix, Arizona area where they have... Chase Field, where the Arizona Diamondbacks play, and then another 10 or so facilities that are used in that general vicinity for spring training, for the Cactus League, and then perhaps some other fields that may become available for this purpose. And that's where they would play the entire Major League Baseball season, all in Phoenix, at least, I guess, until the coronavirus stuff starts to to die down or go away or become less of a risk, less of a factor, which of course we don't really know when that time's going to be. And so it's a guessing game as to whether or not, you know, maybe if you started off this way in, in, in passing even says in the story, a lot of sources tell him June would be more likely probably than May for a start date, but potentially as early as May, but say you start it in June, you do this Phoenix thing. And then, you know, a few months down the road, the, the outlook is better uh, nationwide on the, the coronavirus pandemic, and maybe you can shift midstream into a more amenable situation for players and families and coaches and families and everybody that would be involved in this. Because when I first heard this, I thought, I don't know what the willingness of the players is going to be to volunteer to be away from their families not just like they would be during a normal baseball season where they're on the road a lot and they, they don't get to see them very often, but away from them entirely based on being sequestered for four to four and a half month period in order to have this baseball season take place. I just don't know what the level of willingness from the players would be. Now, I think about it in terms of, and you're not going to get the same answer from everybody probably, but 
I think about the guys who, you know, they've got plenty of money and maybe don't want to want to risk it. And so they're maybe a little more inclined to, you know, maybe they've got young kids. They, they don't want to be away from them for the entire summer and beyond. I could see that perspective. I could also, though, see a perspective of a guy who's trying to make a roster or maybe, you know, last year he, he was a rookie and, and picked up some of that rookie salary that he played on during 2019. And it's a guy probably looking for a roster spot, probably going to get one, which under normal circumstances would mean you're netting about 550000 whatever, you know, the major league minimum is right around that, over five hundred k for, you know, a, a six-month period of work. That's pretty good. It's, you know, a, a guy who is just making his way, that's life-changing money, you know, relative to, we always talk about big contracts, extensions being life-changing money. Even in the in the school, I mean, if you're just a regular dude who maybe you got a signing bonus when he came out in the MLB draft, whatever the case was, but you've been grinding in the minors for a few years and now you've got your chance, that money could definitely compel a guy in potentially any family situation, whether you've got wife, kids or not, to say, yeah, man, I'm a baseball player. I'm ready to go do this. Let's let's make it happen. And so, you know, I think that the opinions are probably going to range across the spectrum. But my first thought was you, you can't just unilaterally, whether it's the players union that gets to decide, you know, the MLBPA can can go into this negotiation and, and they agree to whatever version of the deal that they're going to agree to in, in this hypothetical scenario where this happens. You can't just unilaterally tell these players, yeah, you have to do this or, you know, you're out. Like, you don't get to be on the team. We're going to cut. Like, I don't know what the, the circumstances would be and what the what the retribution, I guess, for a player who maybe the union agrees to this, but the individual players say, hey, I'm not for this because, you know, I'm taking this coronavirus thing seriously and I think this would be an adverse risk to my health and the health of my family. I'm not, I don't want to do it. You know, what happens in that case? Because I just don't see any way you can tell these players, you know, you have to, you have to do it. You know, the, the, the MLBPA agreed to it. Like this is so far beyond the scope of what is regular, what is typical in a sports season that you, you trust your players association, the players union, you, you put your trust in them as an entity to look out for your best interest and, you know, make sure everything's good. Yeah. You, you generally put your trust in that, but I, I don't see any way you could just decide. Yes. Every player has to, to go with this, whether they want to or not. I'm not, you know, you can't really compare that to slavery. Now, Mike Gundy, what he was as calling for the Oklahoma State football coach, that kind of is slavery because he was saying we're going to start sequestering these players next month, and and we're the show must go on, and we're gonna, you know, you don't even get paid in college, so that's a, that's even even further down the rabbit hole. But even even guys that are making handsome salaries, you can't hold them against their will and tell them, you know, if you if you don't do this, you're out, you're blackballed from the league. I just don't think that would be a very good message to send. And I'm not trying to say that that's what would end up taking place. This is so far away from reality, I think. This is a preliminary concept, idea, plan that Jeff Passan clearly had a lot of information about. But after the story came out, MLB released a statement saying, MLB has been actively considering numerous contingency plans that would allow play to commence once the public health situation has improved to the point that it is safe to do so. While we have discussed the idea of staging games at one location as one potential option, we have not settled on that option or developed a detailed plan for it. While we continue to interact regularly with government and public health officials, we have not sought or received approval of any plan from federal, state, or local officials or, and this is a big one, the Players Association. So, 
it's an idea, it's a concept, and I and I tweeted this out Monday when I first saw the story. I love it. I love that they're actually discussing and they're pursuing some crazy stuff because you know what? It's crazy times that we're living in, and so you might as well see everything th- through to the end. If it doesn't work, if it if, if there are reasons and roadblocks that it can't happen, totally understand that. And with this plan, it appears that there are many. But I personally love the fact that they're trying everything they can do to have these discussions, to think outside the box, to maybe make something happen. Because we all want sports back. And and I th- and that's what I said too. I want sports back. Of course, I want baseball back. I'm a baseball writer. It would give me, you know, my my, my job is being affected by this. A lot of people's are. It's a it's a real thing that's going on. And so, for me personally, beyond just having the entertainment aspect, it improves the the quality of of my work situation. So I'm absolutely in favor of it. But I you got to look at it from a you know a, a reasonable and fair perspective to you know the the players in that situation. And and not to mention, and nobody cares about this, but. You know, when you when you listen to podcasts and when you read stories from people, the people talking and writing from those perspectives are people that are also asking questions like, yeah, I didn't notice anything about how the media would be handled for this. Like, will there be baseball writers allowed? If we are allowed, would you have to stay for the whole four and a half months? That's a that's a tricky, dicey situation. And so, you know, th- there's a lot of balls up in the air, I'm sure, before they even get get this thing even close to what could be considered a finish line. So a lot of questions that, that come about from this. And I'm looking at the story here from Jeff Passan and it mentions too some of the, uh, you know, some possibilities that have been discussed among people from both sides, just, you know, to try to make things a little more streamlined. These are ideas that Passan has learned could potentially make this a little bit more feasible. Some of these are, are interesting. Some of them, I don't see how they how they would necessarily help, and some of them are just kind of downright crazy. No mound visits from the catcher or the pitching coach is one of them. I don't see how mound visits, you know, if you're living sequestered with these guys for a period of four to four and a half months, I think, you know, you could probably go ahead and do mound visits, but that would be a very visual way uh, to not follow social distancing. And again, we're talking about in this story, it's going to follow social distancing practices, which is, of course, stay away from everybody by six feet. You're not going to hold the runner on first base. You're not going to apply a tag to a runner stealing second. Like That's not a thing in baseball. You're not going to be social distancing while playing the games. You might as well let them have the dang mound visits. But anyway, moving on. Uh, implementing an electronic strike zone to allow the umpire to maintain sufficient distance from the catcher and batter. I am very anti-electronic strike zone. However, I could see it I could see it potentially for this year if we're just throwing, you know, the standards out the window and just saying, look, we got to keep everybody safe and the group of people that would definitely be more susceptible than the players to having some risk are the umpires because in a lot of cases those guys are older than the average age of the of a major league baseball player and so you want to protect uh, the, the older population, those are the people that are getting the the most ill effects from coronavirus. Those are the people getting most sick. The people in more often than more cases than as it is with younger people. Those are the age range of people that are dying from this disease. And so, I understand it. The problem I think with it is what you could find is that if they do it for this shortened year and say, yeah, it's just for this year because things are crazy, then it you know it's an excuse to say, well, now that we've already done it, we're just going to keep it. And I'm not for the electronic strike zone. And so I, I, I would hope that it does not take place, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, you know, would you take it if it meant electronic strike zone forever, which could be something that comes within the next five to seven years anyway, 
you know, similar to the DH and the NL, it's going to be here before you know it. The electronic thing, I think, is a little bit further along than the DH being implemented, but you never know. And so would you say, eh, something that's probably coming down the pipe anyway, even if I'm not personally a fan of it, would I say, yes, I would accept that in order to have a 2020 baseball season? Um, I don't I don't know how to answer that right now, so I'm not going to. Um, more from the story, seven-inning doubleheaders being discussed as an option, which with an earlier start date than anticipated, you know, we've, we've been saying June, July, maybe if they're able to do this and start sometime in May, late May, you could come closer to a 162-full you know, baseball season, if you were to do some doubleheaders and mix those in Uh, seven innings, that definitely would, would alter, alter the way the game is played. I would be in favor of some way of trying to get as many games in as possible. And I've thought about this seven inning idea. It's interesting. I also don't know if it works if you're playing all these games in Phoenix, because you got to think it's going to be really, really hot for a lot of these games. You're not going to even be able to do, you know, you got to play every game at night. And so even with a seven inning doubleheader, I don't know that you're going to be able to start one game at, you know, seven and another one at 10. I just, I don't know how feasible that's going to be. Even if you have expanded rosters, which I think they would have to do if this was going to work, you'd have to, I think you would just have to bring the whole 40 man roster and say there, that's, that's your roster. Everybody on the 40 man, they're getting big league money and, you know, probably they're going to have to change whatever they consider the minimum or pro rate, the major league minimum, but you know, which would be a thing the players' union would obviously be in favor of more guys getting paid. But I think if you if you're going to do that with the Heat in Phoenix, you're going to have to have expanded rosters. And I don't think 30 or 32. I don't think that's enough. I think you got to go full 40 uh, if if you're going to go that route. So again, we'll have to wait and see. I don't. Uh, I'm talking through this entire thing because it's interesting because it's what we had to talk about right now. But I I am not expecting that this is going to come to fruition. And I'm kind of detailing and going through the reasons why not. But this next thing in the story that Passon mentions, I think should be utilized regardless of whether they play this year or not. Regular use of on-field microphones by the players as an added bonus for the TV viewers, because TV viewers is all you'd have. There would be no fans in attendance for these games. And so... You know, you, you might as well make it an experience for the viewers at home, especially if you're the only sport going. That would be such an opportunity for baseball if if they were the only sport for whatever reason to be able to pull something like this off. You'd have the attention of everybody, even people who were casual baseball fans or maybe didn't even consider themselves baseball fans before. I bet you they're going to start getting a little bit interested in the game if it's the only it's the only, the only show in town. Like, it's what you got. So from that perspective, again, I appreciate that baseball is considering the idea and, and trying to see where this thing could go. Um, you know, whether or not it ends up happening, I don't know. I don't think it will. But the on-field microphones idea is great. I don't know if you saw the clip from spring training when they did some all-access games. And my favorite one, there's several that were really good. Some guys joking about the Astros stuff, kind of tongue-in-cheek with the, the trash can banging and stuff like that. Really just high-quality humor. But the best one was Freddie Freeman on a pop fly in a short center field. He was, I think he might have been running with the pitch. He was off from first base. And he says right when the ball comes off the bat, he's just hustling. He's hauling A because he says, there's wind. Watch this. There's wind. The ball's going to drop. And so he's like a maniac running around second, around third. Sure enough, the ball drops. Even after the ball hits the ground, he's still yelling, there's wind. There's wind, boys. Here we go. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that is super entertaining. And I would love to see more of that kind of thing in baseball, in sports in general. And if you haven't seen that clip, just search for it. Freddie Freeman, there's wind. I'm sure that will pop up on Twitter or Google if you uh, if you do that search. 
really good stuff. So yeah, I would love the idea of on-field microphones for players. Not even in just 2020. I want that all the time. I think that'd be great. Uh, and then the other one, this one falls into the category of ridiculous. Instead of sitting in the dugout during the game, players would sit in the empty stands keeping six feet apart from one another, which I think is ridiculous. I think especially that's not going to be a shaded area right behind the dugout. And so, I mean, I guess you could put up tents and stuff. You'd have free reign to do whatever you want because there'd be no fans in attendance. But I I, play, I don't see players wanting to sit in the, in the, in the stands, in the bleachers uh, during the game instead of the dugout to keep six feet. I, you know, I have no idea if that's viable or not, but it's definitely a hilarious image that, that comes into play for me mentally. I don't know about you. But here's here's kind of the crux of what Passon says in the story. He says that the May return date, talking about May the month, for the plan depends on the number of concerns being allayed. Some officials believe June is more realistic. And he talks about how the significant increase in having available tests for coronavirus where you can, you know, quickly know whether or not you test positive. That's kind of the crux of this entire thing. And they're hoping that happens by early May, which would then allow MLB to go through with this plan without diminishing, you know, the amount of testing that regular general public people can can have because this is a, a national crisis, a global crisis. And so if MLB was, was kind of hoarding and hogging all the tests that they did have, that would not be a good look, and so that can't happen. So they're needing the, the testing process to be sped up, which I know that there's been a lot of progress on that front, but for that to become a wide-scale enough thing that MLB can go through and, you know, that would be allowing them, potentially, it says in the story, for the possibility that a positive test wouldn't necessarily tank the entire operation and cancel the season after you start it back up again. Because that's been another big question of mine that, okay, let's say you finally do get to have sports back. The the, the, the curve has been flattened. We're on the downslope of this thing. But that still doesn't mean the coronavirus has disappeared entirely. It's not just going to evaporate from the face of the earth. You're still going to have cases just fewer of them but that kind of opens up the door for the potential of a second wave we all start reintegrating ourselves into society and you know people start behaving normally again whatever the new normal is going to become and then just like that uh oh we're having another blip and we're gonna have to deal with this again and start shutting things down again and we saw with the nba the very first player that got it that not only shut down the nba but within two days everything was done within three days the ncaa march madness basketball tournament was canceled so a player getting it was was a significant turning point, I think, in the entire handling of it by by sports leagues, because it, it you know you're playing contact sports. One guy gets it, a lot more guys are going to have it if you play. And so every other sport, even though we didn't see positive tests in MLB, NHL took a few days to reveal some of that. They canceled everything pretty much right away. Um, I think minor or baseball spring training games was like the last thing to get canceled as far as live events that were already going on. Then you had college basketball tournaments, conference tournaments that were canceled as well. But the idea that you could bring all this back and then all it would take is one test to potentially tank the whole operation again, I would say that's why they got to be careful and wait longer. Just, you know, using your brain, if you're not going to want to have to go through, through a stop and start kind of thing again, it only makes sense. But they say in the story, I don't know how you know realistic this would prove to be, but the possibility of a player or staff member testing positive for the coronavirus does exist, even in a secured setting. Officials that Passon spoke to for this story do not believe that a positive test alone would necessarily be caused to quarantine an entire team or shut down the season. 
The plan could include teams carrying expanded rosters to account for the possibility of players testing positive. So basically, if you've got those 40-man rosters working and ready to go, and you have a guy that that gets coronavirus, and they'd be able to find out pretty much right away, the thought being, all right, 14-day quarantine. You're on the 14-day injured list for coronavirus symptoms, I guess. Like I, I assume that's the way they would handle this. The problem is you're not always symptomatic, and so if you're not symptomatic for you know, however many days and you spread it to however many people, 40 might not be a big enough number because you might have half a team that would need to be quarantined. And so it, it's, it just seems so far fetched to actually think this could happen. And, and I've, I've expressed, you know, what my issues with it were from afar, just saying, I don't know that you can dictate that players are going to be, you know, going to have to do this, even if they're hesitant to do it or not willing to do it. Just because the MLB MLBPA, which may or may not happen, says you have to, you know, agrees to a deal to, to bring the sport back. I just don't know how I just don't know how you could look them in the face and say, Yeah, you have to do this. Come on, we're doing this. We're playing baseball now. Like, I get it. They're baseball players, and so many of them may want to play. I don't know. You know, I haven't I haven't asked him. But Jeff Passan said he did ask a few of them. He was on with Scott Van Pelt. Uh, I don't know when this was, but the, the video was posted to uh, the ESPN story that Passan wrote about this whole Arizona plan. And he was talking to SVP who said, you know, I don't see any way in hell the players will, will agree to, to be quarantined for four, four and a half months away from their family. I don't see it. And Passan said, well, let me share an anecdote with you because I spoke to a couple of players and one of whom told me almost verbatim what you just said. No way in hell. I, I you know, there's not, that's not going to happen. And then Passan said the next morning he got a text from the same player who had spoken to his wife about it. And his wife said, if it means you're still able to earn your salary and you're able to be paid, you can go ahead and do the four and a half months. You know, you have my permission. So who knows, you know, what, what the individual families, the individual players will think about this. I I know that I think to get such a large contingent, large group of people to potentially agree to such a thing seems pretty far-fetched. But I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to break it down for an episode of B-Shape Daily since it had been a little bit of time since we've done one. Uh, We're going to continue to do them, whether it's every day or a little more sporadic than that. I'll try not to go like a whole week like I did this time without doing anything. But, you know, the existential dread kind of catches up to you. It's not hard to happen. So eventually we're going to get sports back. We're going to try to keep talking through this. And hopefully, I mean, look, I'm not not thinking the plan is going to happen. But if some way baseball is able to come back by May or June, we're going to have plenty to talk about. We're going to be full bore into this thing with daily episodes, whether I'm in Arizona or not, or whether I'm at Bush Stadium or not, whatever happens, if there's games going on, we will have plenty to discuss on the show. And that's going to be, you know, the purpose for it. This is what I was excited to do in the first place. We started this back in like the end of January, early February, and we've been going pretty consistently until recently. Uh, and so we'll just have to wait and see what happens with everything. But excited to, to get to do another episode here today. Going to try to keep these things rolling in the future as well when relevant topics come up. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to the show, Be Shaped Daily. You can do so on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, everywhere else pretty much that you're going to get podcasts. You're going to find us there. And that way you'll always know when we have a new episode and you'll be able to get your sports fix that way. So appreciate you guys for listening, joining me today. Find me on the social medias as well at bshafer12, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find me at bshafer12 at all those spots. And until next time, I won't say talk to you tomorrow, but we'll try to get it done. We'll talk to you guys next time.